0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now, here's your host, Chad Dotson.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Everyone Panic edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. No, don't panic. Although it seems like we have watched a month of baseball in the last three days. Things have been changing by the minute. It's been crazy and not an opening series like we wanted to have, and I thought it'd be a good idea to get on here and just talk while it's all fresh in my mind about this first series, what we can draw from it, uh, why we shouldn't panic, or maybe I'll come to the conclusion that we should panic. I don't know. And then at the end, we're going to have a conversation with Sydney Price. Sydney Price is, she's been one of our uh, best friends over at uh, Patreon.com/slash/RedlegRadio for a while, and uh, I like talking to these younger Reds fans. To get their perspective on following a team like this in a time like this when they've not been good for a while and what it means when they're going to be good and then we have a season like this. But stay tuned for my conversation with Sydney later. Right now, let's talk about the opening day game, the opening series against those Detroit Tigers. And opening day could not have been more magical. Uh, well, it could have been. I was in the park when Joe Randa hit a home run to win the opening day game. You know, I, we, there have been great ones, and if any of you have been to opening day, you know they're all amazing. Frankly, they're all fun. So, yeah, whether the Reds win or lose, they're they're always fun, just because it's opening day. But this opening day, obviously, no one's in the park but the uh, the players and and coaches, and so it's a different opening day in Cincinnati more than anywhere because obviously it's a holiday here. But that being said, the Reds played great. They dominated the Detroit Tigers. They won 7-1 to one behind an incredible outing from Sonny Gray and the, the big-time hitting of new Red Mike Moustakas. Great night for all the new Reds on opening night. It was just all around. The optimism that I saw in uh, among Reds fans after that opening day win was as high as I've seen it in a long time. And, of course, like the Reds always can do. They'll smack you across the face and bring you right back to Earth. More on that in a moment. Uh, I did dip back into Twitter on opening day and I said, well, I'll try it just during the game. And for the first series, I'd tried just during the game. And I remembered by the third game why I don't need to be on Twitter. So I'm not sure I'll go back. We'll see. It was fun talking to some of, uh, some of my old friends from Twitter. Uh, if we're just talking about the Reds, then it's, it's good. It's fun. We, we can deal with that. But when you start to talk about anything else other than the Reds, or if the Reds are playing bad, it starts getting in a bad area that I really don't need. But let's talk about Opening Day and then talk about all the things that happened since Opening Day to make this feel like a month. First of all, the offense was fantastic on Opening Day against seven runs on uh, nine hits, but uh, the Reds got a uh, two to nothing lead in the first inning, and we really felt like it was uh it was going to be happening, you know. Uh, Bases loaded. Nick Castellanos is first at bat for the Reds. Gets hit by a pitch and gets an RBI, which is, you know, fantastic. Then Mike Moustakis singles in another run. So they didn't leave the bases uh, loaded out there in the first inning uh, and had bases loaded with no outs and only got two runs only. I don't know, you know. uh, I saw some complaining about that. I can understand. You feel like you left uh, a run or two out of there. It would have been good to get three or more and really end it. But as it turned out, it was fine. Detroit got a run back in the fourth, but then – Immediately, Joey Votto hit a solo home run, and let me tell you, that is the story of opening day to me. If you're looking for a storyline, well, there's the these the, I think that's one of two by far biggest stories out of opening weekend for the Reds. Joey Votto mashed the ball all weekend. I mean, it, it was like the it looked like a beach ball to him at the plate. I mean, he, he hit four balls right at the first baseman that if if it had they hadn't been caught it would have killed somebody. I mean. Uh, Joey Votto was just completely locked in all weekend and started with a home run on opening day, a solo homer that put the Reds back up by three runs. The very following inning, we finally got to see Shogo Akiyama make his Cincinnati debut. Now, I was surprised that Akiyama didn't start. And I've really got some issues that we'll probably talk about on our uh, regular podcast on Friday about David Bell's uh, overmanaging. And I hesitate to say that because I'm just. Gonna, let me be clear. I think that David Bell is the best manager the Reds have had since Davey Johnson. And if you listen very long, you know what I think about Davey Johnson. So there are some things to criticize. I think about his uh, in-game managing. We'll talk about that that a little bit later. But when I criticize, know that I'm coming at it from a place where I do think he's a he's a really good manager in a lot of ways. And a lot of people are going to go ahead and unfollow the podcast as soon as they hear me say that, because David Bell has some detractors out there. and uh, But Akiyama didn't didn't start, which I'm sure made a bunch of Japanese reporters upset because uh, when he made his debut, he was he, the Reds became the last team to have a Japanese player. And uh, he did finally come in, and what did he do? RBI single. Castellanos, Moustakas, and Akiyama, the three big free agent acquisitions uh, for the Reds, all collected RBIs in their very first at bat for the Reds. So you know that Dick Williams and Nick Crawl are sitting up there in the, in the box, if that's where they were watching the game and just having to be loving that opening day, seeing those guys contribute really immediately their first opportunities for the Reds. Uh, so, um, after that, uh, Nick Castellanos walked in the seventh. Travis Jankowski came into pinch run for him. That's important. We'll talk about it in just a little bit later. Jankowski immediately stole second base. By the way, have you seen Travis Jankowski? I, I swear he looks like he should be in some sort of a a band that melds that fuses southern rock with uh, Americana or folk or something. It really, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he does. Uh, he did that during the, during the quarantine. Anyway, stole second base, but that still didn't matter because Mike Moustakis delivered, again, 421-foot home run to right field. And that was 7-1, and that was that. So, you know, seven runs, fantastic. This offense looks great, we were thinking at that time. And and I still believe it's a great offense, okay? You know, let's not put too much on. Even though know, each of these games are worth 2.7 games apiece. Let's not put too much into a one series, but... Uh, the other storyline from opening day was Sonny Gray. Six innings, only 90 pitches. And, uh, you know, I, I understand it's early in the season letting some of these guys not go. I would I would have sent him back out there for at least one more inning. Same with Luis Castillo on day two. They did send, David Bell did send Trevor Bauer out for that seventh inning in game three, uh, but just for one batter. But anyway, Sonny Gray just allowed one uh, earned run, struck out nine batters. Walk to nine strikeouts, which seems pretty good until you look at what his competition did the next two days. But Sonny Gray was just outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And uh, one of those strikeouts was his 1,000th of his major league career. And the most amazing stat, every time I see it, it just blows my mind this, that this can be true. He extended, Sonny Gray extended his major league record, 34 consecutive starts, allowing six or fewer hits. And that's kind of one of these uh, stats. Ah, oh, what did you pull that one out? Uh, you know, Elias. Um, but but that's pretty crazy that no one's done that in the history of major league baseball until Sonny grade thirty four straight starts with allowing six or fewer hits. So he he misses bats. He misses bats. So that was opening day, and man, we were pumped up. You were pumped up. Wherever you were, you were pumped up on opening day. After that, it was just it was. Baseball finally back. Yeah, that sort of sense of normalcy that I wrote about my Cincinnati Magazine piece this week, week, my column. It it was just, it it was nothing about it was normal. There was a designated hitter. There were no fans there. But, man, it just felt like baseball's back. And, hey, the Reds are actually good. And then the drama started. And it's been nothing but nonstop drama since then. You remember I told you that uh, David Bell sent in Travis Jankowski? Or Bronson Arroyo-Light to pinch run for Nick Castellanos in the seventh inning? Well, Castellanos was upset. He stuck around in the field after the game. Stayed out in right field, evidently, if I I understood the story correctly. I wasn't in the stadium. They didn't allow me there, so I didn't see it for myself. And he had a heated discussion with at least one coach before having another heated discussion with David Bell. And he stayed out there for, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour after the game, taking fly balls, line drives, working on his defense. He did the same. He got to the park early before game two and took some some defensive practice out there, had a coach shooting in a pitching machine, you know, shooting line drives to him and fly balls and running them down and working on angles. And David Bell confirmed to the media that, yeah, (laughs) Nick Castellanos was hot about being removed from the game, and I guess he did not accept the explanation that Bell gave him for it, which is that you know we're trying to get a guy and Jankowski, you know, is a, a speedy guy, good, def- really good defender, and you know, so we're trying to protect our lead and you know get get a guy in there. Well, okay, it was five to one uh, game at the time in the seventh, and that's one of my issues with the. Uh, with David Bell, is he's just way too quick to pull a guy from a game. It's like he, it's like it's little league, and he wants to get everybody in the game sometimes. And I know what he's doing; he's trying to work the matchups. And I, I think the fact that he's actually aware of those lefty-righty matchups, uh, and and aware of what the numbers say, is is part of what makes him a good manager. Uh, I think he goes way too far with it sometimes, but uh, and, and that's how you end up with Phil Irvin batting against right-handers, a right-handed pitcher late in the game on Sunday. Because you've you know blown all your uh, chips on the bench, and uh, you got nothing left to nothing left to do, where it, or it could have been uh, Shogo Akiyama hitting against that right-handed pitcher. But anyway, that's again, I'm not going to get into that right now. We'll talk about that later. So, but David Bell said, you know, yeah, he was he was not happy, and if you see the video and the pictures of it, you can see Castellanos really getting upset, and uh, it's so a lot of people were criticizing Castellanos. On the Twitters. I'm told. I didn't see that because I, as soon as the game was over, I, I got out I got out of Twitter. I can't deal with that. But my, my take on it was just that, you know, I don't have a problem with Castellanos being upset. David Bell's quote was, you should never want to come out of a game ever, so I get it. There are a lot worse ways to handle it when you're pissed that you come out of a game, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, you're really mad that you came out of the game, so what do you do? You go practice more. So you'll get better, so you don't have to come out of the game. I mean, I, that's, that's a... Matter of fact, I think you give me 25 Castellanos, guys with that kind of a, a, a you know thought process, and I think you're going to have a pretty good team. So I don't have a problem with it. But again, that's that's drama day one that you really maybe don't want publicly. I want that to be inside the inside the clubhouse. And uh, I, I will note that Castellanos played every inning the rest of the series, I believe, unless I'm mistaken. So... But anyway, that was a blip on the radar. The Reds won seven to one. Man, exciting times for the Cincinnati Reds. Right? Yeah. So game two comes around Saturday. First of all, Matt Davidson, who barely made the roster, was on the was in the opening day lineup as the designated hitter. And it sounded like the explanation was that he had a pretty good uh he had pretty good small sample against the the, the Tiger starter. I don't see how the 30th man on the bench or 29th man on the bench should be in your opening day ro- roster. Shogo Akiyama's sitting and Matt Davidson's hitting. I get it. Lefty-righty. I know I know what's going on. Uh, he was trying to get his line the way he wanted to get it. and I don't know. But Matt Davidson, after the game or the next morning, tested positive for COVID-19 after playing the game the night before. So he was placed on the COVID list. They call it the injured list. There's a 10-day IL, what used to be the DL, 10-day IL. And then this year, there's what they're just calling an IL, but it's the COVID-19 injured list. And this is going to be important for a discussion later in this conversation, but you can be placed on that if, if you don't even have to test positive. If you're showing some kind of symptoms or anything, they can put you on there keep you away and get another player on the, on the real roster so he did that and then the the thing is you can come out you don't have to wait 10 days or 15 days or anything like that like you have to wait 10 days on the regular injured list uh, you can come back as soon as you've tested positive or excuse me two negative tests at least 24 hours apart so you know you come back a couple days if you if you you know test negative um so and again that'll that'll come in later Best of luck to Matt Davidson. I hope he' not feeling too many uh, symptoms. Hope he comes back quickly. Um, you know, uh, I like Matt Davidson. I'm glad he's in the Reds organization. Don't want I have anything bad to say about him except that I want him to get better. So he was placed on that list. Tucker Barnhart the same day was placed on the three day paternity list, and uh, Tucker and his wife uh, really his wife did the heavy lifting, but they uh, they had a, had a ch- another child. And everybody reports are that everyone's healthy, and uh, and very happy, and so good for them. Tucker's been going to be away probably for another day or so, and so the Reds, those two guys, were removed from the roster. So the Reds had to add a couple of people. They added our guy Aristides Aquino, who would end up having a big hit. Well, it didn't turn out to be a big hit, but it looked like a big hit at the time on uh, Sunday. And then right-handed pitcher T.J. Antone, Now, Antone did not pitch this week, so when he pitches, he'll be be making his major league debut. But those guys were brought up from the Prasco Park roster. And then we had the game. And listen when I tell you that I really thought the Reds were about to really take off this season. They jumped out to a lead again in the first inning with scoring a run in the in the top of the first. And that run, I should say that the Tigers actually scored a run first. I'm getting ahead of myself. But then they came back with a run on a Joey Votto home run. First time it's his career, he's hit home runs in the first two days of the season. And then the bottom of the second, that's when the Reds take a 3-1 lead. Nick Senzel draws a four-pitch walk. And Freddie Galvis. Follows with a 372 foot home run, giving the Reds a 3-1 lead. So, at the after two innings, the Reds are three to one, and on the mound, Luis Castillo is dazzling. I mean, he's he's just the Leo 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 Castillo. Can we call him Leo Castillo now? Good grief, what is wrong with me? The Reds have warped my brain already after three days. Luis Castillo was just dominant, so three-one lead seemed like it was an you know an impossibly large lead for the Reds. Well. The offense goes silent, and Castillo's great through six. He, I mean, he completely dominated. Eleven strikeouts. Uh, only gave up six hits and a walk. Eleven strikeouts, so no pizza. But I ordered some pizza for the family just to celebrate. And then the bullpen happened. Robert Stevenson came in. Gave up a deep home run to the very first hitter he faced. So it's 3-2. to two. He then allowed a blooper to center field, a single, before getting a strikeout for the first out of the inning. And then comes Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen got a force out, but then hung a changeup way up in the zone if you saw it. To Miguel Cabrera, and M- Miguel Cabrera does what Miguel Cabrera has done for many years to people that hang a change up up in the zone. He put it into the uh, outfield seats for a home run and a four to three Tigers lead. <sighs> so we go to the ninth, and you know I, I need to find the. I'm doing this on the on the fly here. Let me find the. Let me find the game log here if we've got it because, yeah, here we go. I want to see what happened at the bottom of the eighth. If you don't mind, I mean, you know, come on. I should have done this before I started, right? That's what you're thinking. Leave me alone. Who asked you? Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was four to four. Yeah, the red scored, again, in the bottom of the seventh. That was in the seventh that all that happened with Lorenzen and, and – uh, In the bottom of the seventh, the Reds scored, and how they scored was Kirk Casale. Oh, man. I don't see the distance on this thing. But he hit a home run to dead center field. That was, I mean, a blast. And Casale's another guy that hit well in this opening series. He had to play all three days because of Barnhart being gone. Um, Well, I guess he didn't play on opening day. Um, But I'm telling you, really, really looked good. So the Reds tied the game up in the bottom of the seventh. And it was still tied in the ninth when uh, Roselle Iglesias picked up where he left off last season. You know, I tire of Roselle Iglesias. He probably went in and complained because David Bell didn't put him in a safe situation. The game was tied when he came in. That's what he complained about last year, if you recall. Opposite field single and then gave up a two-run home run to Jacoby Jones for the Tigers. And that was that. Reds couldn't score in the bottom half and they blew a game that they should have won they wasted an incredible start by Luis Castillo again I said 11 strikeouts that gets him 500 in his career after Sonny Gray reached 1000 the night before Reds pitchers total had 17 strikeouts and just a walk and they blow a game and, and my after the game I was like well you know I know each game is 2.7 times more important each loss is as well but you know Those things happen, but man, you really can't lose games to bad teams like this in a shortened season like this. It's not the end of the world. They can come back and still dominate the National League, obviously. Still 58 games to go at that point. But man, in a short season, the magnitude of those losses really expanded because the Tigers are not good. And the Reds really need to win the games against the bad teams because they're going to, you know, essentially the way I've always felt is if you can go go 500 with the good teams – beat up on the teams behind you, you're going to be great. You're going to have a great season. And so that's a really sort of shorthand way to look at it. But they blew one that they absolutely should have won. But still, one and one, you know, uh, two great starts by Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. I'm like, we're okay. So then comes Sunday. And in the hour before the afternoon game started, things went kind of crazy. Evidently, Mike Moustakas woke up and he was not feeling well. So, he didn't even come to the ballpark. And they, uh, the Reds put Moustakas on that COVID injured list. Now, I say that, but remember, like I said earlier, you don't have to test positive. We've still not heard that Moustakas has tested positive or anything. So, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I'm sure they uh, try to get him a test today, if possible, uh, on a Sunday. But... Uh, he was scratched from the lineup. And then Nixon Zell, some shenanigans went off the lineup, and Nixon Zell was placed in the lineup. And a little bit later, more shenanigans. Nixon Zell is scratched. And we got no word about that until after the game when David Bell said that Nixon Zell also was not feeling well. Didn't see him at the game on television, but I don't know if he was there or not. I'm sure they, they got him away if he wasn't feeling well. But. Uh, so it's two players on the heels of Matt Davidson testing positive the day before. And so people are freaking out, as you can imagine, uh, what's going on. And there's some stories about what's going on in the Marlins, on the Marlins roster. Some It's, I don't know, you, th- you know how things are this day and age uh, for good reason. You don't, you, you don't know what's happening one day to the next with this thing. And so there for a little while it looked like, oh my gosh, this is all going to crash down upon us Um, and it may I'm not I'm not going to predict that it's not going to but um, all that was happening so Sinzel was scratched they put Jankowski uh, in the starting lineup for him Uh, for Moustakis what was interesting is that he was placed on that injured list really quickly Sinzel has not yet been put on that injured list unless I've missed it in the last few minutes Um, but Tyler Stevenson Reds number two prospect Tyler Stevenson the catcher was called up to replace Mustakas on the roster. Uh, interesting because, obviously, Barnhart is not, uh, not here because of the paternity list. Stevenson didn't play on Sunday, so he'll be making his Major League debut whenever he does get into a game. I imagine he's probably going back to Prasco tomorrow or the next day when Barnhart comes back, but still, it was good to see Tyler Stevenson on an actual Major League roster for the first time in his career. Congrats to him. Hope he has a long and productive Major League career. So, there you go. All that was going on as the game. And it kind of felt like when the game started that, what are we doing here? You know, why are we? <laughs> and I saw that, that sentiment a lot. Oh, how do we supposed have to play a game? And I'm sure it was on the players' minds. And I, again, I'm not getting too much into the virus stuff, um, except that as, as it affects baseball. But I'm sure it's a strange time to be in it, trying to play baseball there. And we come out, and for the third consecutive day, the Reds got absolutely dominant starting pitching. Three straight games. Trevor Bauer. It was by far his best performance in a Reds uniform. You know he kind of struggled with the Reds last year. He looked dominant. I mean, he looked like the the, the almost Cy Young uh, Trevor Bauer, the All Star Trevor Bauer from a couple of years ago. Struck out thirteen, allowed just one run in six and a third innings, and just uh, that was a guy that we didn't see last year. And it was kind of funny. Uh, David Bell let him come out to pitch the seventh inning and just let him pitch to the first hitter because was a right-handed hitter. And uh, Bell comes out after he retires that first hitter of the, of the seventh to take him out of the game. And Bauer turns like he's mad like he's going to, and acts like he's going to throw the ball into the center field bleachers like he did in, uh, in famously in Cleveland, if you remember. And then he turned around and he was smiling, laughing about it. Great day, great day for him. But then, uh, you know, the offense disappeared. And Michael Lorenzen uh, did the same thing he did the day before. The offense almost scored in the fifth. Jankowski walked and then Kirk Asali hit a ball again to dead center. I thought, man, that's going to be a home run. And it wasn't. Uh, and it wouldn't have been if, if uh, but Jacoby Jones made this great leaping catch and it wouldn't have been a homerun anyway, but it would have, as, as well as Jankowski runs, he definitely would have scored. Uh, and the Reds did end up uh, scoring that inning, though. Jesse Winker and Joey Votto. Votto had singled Jankowski in. Jesse Winker singled before him. And the Reds end up leaving the bases loaded. But it's 1-1 at that time. Uh, and the Reds just... nothing doing hardly after that. Uh, until the 9th. The, but before we get to the 9th... Pedro Strope comes in, throws a hitless inning in the eighth. Looked pretty good, and again, his cap was at a jaunty angle. Still 1-1 to going to the ninth. Michael Lorenzen comes in, and Michael Lorenzen gives up a two-run home run to C.J. Crone. I've been kind of buying the hype on this bullpen that it's good, but some of the people that were dissenters on that point, they got some data for their argument this, this weekend. Uh, Michael Lorenzo and Rosella Iglesias are two of the key guys, and they did not perform this weekend. Oh, but small sample. I'm not giving up on anybody. Eugenio Suarez looked lost at the plate this whole series. Am I worried about Eugenio Suarez? Absolutely not. No chance. No chance. So, but anyway, that made it three to one as we go to the uh, bottom of the ninth and. Freddie Galvis leads off with a ground rule double. And then Aristides Aquino Aquino follows with another double. Makes it 3-2. Casale hammers the ball to center again, but it was called. Aquino tags up, goes third. Jesse Winker's hit by a pitch. And so you got runners on the corners for Joey Votto with one out. And Joey Votto, Joey Votter. Good grief. Joey Votto grounded into a double play. Reds lose. Lose two out of three to the hapless Detroit Tigers. And so we can't even enjoy that for the first time in history. Reds pitchers began the season with at least 10 strikeouts in each of the first three games. Can't even enjoy it. Oh, gosh, Oh I don't know what to say. Uh, let's not panic yet. Yes, there are fewer games this season than most. Yes, these games do hurt more than regular losses would in 162-game seasons. No question about it. Losing 2-3 to one of the worst teams in the league, not a great way to start. But, but, fifty-seven games to go. Good teams come up next a little bit. We're gonna find what the Reds are made out of, and and I think they're made of pretty good stuff. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with them. I'm just happy that the pitching is as good as advertised so far, and that Joey Votto came ready to play. Now he always comes ready to play, but the results were there in the first series this year. So, fantastic, fantastic performance by Votto. Less than fantastic by the bullpen. But it is what it is. We're not reds are now one and two. Let's see what happens next. All right, hang tight. We're going to talk to uh, to Sydney for a little while, and then we'll be back at you on Friday with a regularly scheduled edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm joined today by Sydney Price. Sydney, one of our uh, Patrons at patreon.com dot slash Redleg Radio, where you two can support the the Cincinnati Reds uh, number one podcast, I guess, um, in my in my mind anyway. Right, uh, Sydney, yeah. good to talk to you. We've inter- interacted on Twitter some over the years, but uh, good to finally get to talk to you in person. How are you? Good, doing well. Excellent. Now let's talk a little bit about because this is something that's interesting interesting to me. You're uh, you're a little younger than I am, and so I like uh, finding out how uh, you know those in your generation kind of came about, uh, came to be a Reds fan. Now, you are, where are you from, first of all?
0: So, I am from um, Miamisburg, Ohio. Um, Chris Garber, both me and him, (laughs) we're from Miamisburg. Um, So, that's a little bit south of Dayton, Ohio. It's It's like 15, 20 minutes south of there, and... I've spent my entire life in the Dayton area, Cincinnati area.
1: Okay, so, so Reds country—that's how you became a Reds fan.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: born into it. That's 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 sad, actually. <laughs> you had no choice, um, did you?
0: No, not really. I grew up going to really more Dragons games than anything else because they're the hometown team here, and we could get tickets for real cheap. And they were like practicing the practically giving them away in elementary school so yeah
1: Yeah. i've been to a couple games there at Dayton. i wish i'd been uh, to more but uh that's one of my favorite places ever to see a uh a minor league game they just they do a good job there and so you you had it close by and that's a that's pretty good introduction to uh to pro baseball i guess not quite the reds but uh but a pretty fun place to watch the game
0: absolutely
1: now so you you, are kind of born into it now you went to, uh, I think you and Chris both went to the same high school, right? Yes. Again, Chris is closer to my age, so you all <laughs> weren't there at the same time.
0: A couple of years apart, maybe. Co- <laughs> yeah, yeah some, <laughs> something
1: like that. Um, we're not going to talk anymore about the, how old I am, uh, <laughs> if you don't mind. You you kids make me, uh, make me feel old. But you're part of this generation that I talk about a lot that really has not had a lot to root for. So... You've become a pretty devoted Reds fan over the years. How difficult has that been, given how how they've not been great?
0: Well, um, it's been sort of hard, but I've just – I don't know why, but I've fallen in love with baseball. I don't know what it is, but I can watch the NBA, I can watch the NFL, but nothing matches up to Reds baseball, just nothing. I can watch the Cavs, I can watch the Bengals or the Browns or whatever in – Sure, I like them, but watching the first pitch the other day from Sunny Gray, uh, not gonna lie to you, about made me cry because I'm so happy that it's finally here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, there. I wish I could put into words, uh, you know, what it means, what baseball, why baseball means that much to to, and why it appeals to certain certain people. Because I'm the same way, you know. I don't know that I can really put anything on it. I just, it's always been in the background in my life, and I like having it on in the background and. And yeah, when they when they actually started playing for me, it was the the first pitch against uh, Detroit. Uh, you know, playing against another team at Great American Ballpark, same way. You know, like oh wow, it's finally back, and we can talk about how long they're going to be back. Maybe after with the news, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, and the, and news is going crazy. We'll talk about that in a moment. But um, but yeah, that opening day game was fun, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, especially with a win. Uh, opening day. Now, the game afterwards, the second game of the season didn't go quite as well, but
1: yeah. Yeah, really, tell me about it. Do, do we have to talk about that? <laughs> Please, snow no. No, yeah. <laughs> so, before we get back to the current day, current team, what, what are some of your, what's like the earliest Reds memory that you have? Can you, can you pinpoint something like the earliest memory that you have? of the reds or something that appealed uh, to you.
0: So my earliest memory that I have just straight up from me, not like looking at old pictures or stuff is like, I remember my dad, his work would have one of the company spon- like company sponsored little areas up there with like all you can eat buffet and stuff like that. And going yeah. to the game, watching it in one of those seats up there don't really remember anything about the game aside from getting to watch the game from up there and eat a lot of food. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's a great memory.
0: (laughs) But my earliest memories of actual baseball, I I started becoming like a diehard fan around the 2016-17 to season. And that's when I started to actually be like, oh, this is who all the players are, how good are they? Like, my... I have a little miniature bat that I take with me to all of the games, and I took with me to the Reds' caravan these last two years to get signed. And my first two signatures were Patrick Kivelhan and Eris Mindy Alcantara.
1: Oh, some Reds' legends.
0: <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> A couple of people who you're probably like, what? Who are they? Yeah.
1: Yeah, those, those are the guys not- that... 10 years later, you're looking on the baseball reference page for that team. You're like, I don't even remember these people.
0: Exactly. Whereas, they're always going to have a special place in my heart because they're my first two signatures. Yeah. So.
1: So that's, you know, wow, you, you really started at a rough time to be a Reds fan because right in the middle of that streak of 90 lost seasons. Oh, uh, goodness.
0: Oh, goodness. Yes. <laughs> but. I, I, I really don't have any memories of, like, the wild card seasons or, like. God forbid I bring it up, the, um, the 20, I believe 2013 season where we lost to the Giants.
1: 2012. Yeah,
0: I, 2012 was one yeah. it was. Okay. I really don't have any memories of those. If we're being honest with each other. <laughs> oh man.
1: Oh, you're killing me. You're yeah. killing me. But, uh, well, maybe that's not a bad thing. Cause that, that, uh, there were some good memories in those years, but there were some tough ones as well. So, oh, yeah. you know, when the Reds, finally made the playoffs in 2010. Something I said a lot back then was, wow, for those of us who have suffered through the bad years, you know, this is, this is a great reward and it's got to be the same for you. If, and when the Reds actually are good again, and we're, again, we'll talk about this year's team. We hope they are this year, but uh, are you sort of sticking with them just because it'll be worth it once they're actually good again? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sticking with them because I'm not a fair weathered fan. I'm, This is the team I've grown up with. I've put so... I've... I've just grown up with this team. And I... This is the only team I've really ever known. And I can't imagine rooting on a different team. I root on, like, the Indians from time to time if they're not playing us. Because why not? They're another Ohio team. But that's really about it. It's just sort of like, well, if they do well... You know what? I would love a World Series of Reds versus Indians. But...
1: I'll take I'll take it absolutely. Where do I sign up for that? Exactly. Um, now, who who've been your favorite players uh, over the years?
0: Um, well, I really liked Wieg and Dietrich from last season. Unlike unlike Garver, Garber. Um, but <laughs> yeah, um, I really liked those two, and then really those two have really been it. And then like fire. Following like Suarez, with just his journey with us, and watching all of these little traits that seem to be like turning nothing into something. With Dan Straley turning him into Luis Castillo, the budding ace he is, and then turning Alfredo Simon into Suarez, forty-nine home runs in a season.
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah. Those, those are those are the ones that just make you. <laughs> You know, sort of blink your eyes like that. That really, did that really happened for the Reds. Seems like the type of thing that the Reds would be doing for other teams, handing good players away. Oh, yeah. but, so, you know, you've been through some uh, some losing times as a Reds fan, and Absolutely. we're coming. And we're coming into let's let's dial back to the beginning of 2020, before things went uh, crazy, and the Reds had made these uh, signings in the off season and. Basically, what I want to know is, given that you've uh, suffered through some of these 90 lost teams, how excited were you for the season to start back when spring training was, was getting here? What were your thoughts as we came into the spring, the first spring
0: training back in February? I was so excited because I thought, you know what? This will be our first taste at having meaningful gains in in August and actually having our games towards the end of the season, our last 10, 15, 20 games actually mean something whereas in the past few years it's been like alright who are we calling up from the 40 man or who's getting injured that third season's gone so who who's a just random red that is going to make an appearance you know all right the past several years
1: yeah it's, it was a different feel and it's been a while I mean it's been you know since 2012 or 13 which is a long time uh, so long ago that you can't uh, remember anything about those themes um, and so, but yeah, that's 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 a whole different feeling than these other years where you're kind of like hoping if this goes right and this goes right, yeah, we can possibly be a good team. I could see things falling right. You know, the way I always put it is, you know, I kind of squint and see uh, how the Reds could be good if if things fall the right way. But this year was a thing where you know you didn't have to have very many things fall the right way, and they were going to be good. And then everything fell the wrong way, didn't it?
0: Oh yeah. Um. Oh. Absolutely. Last season, I was I was looking at the team and I was like, you know what? This should be a playoff team. And then turn around and we have like eighty losses. And it's like, what what do we have to do to be a good team? Yeah, I don't. know.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, we
0: had a- so many good pieces between between um Jose Iglesias, who was a good addition for that one year, Puig, and then turning him into who we thought was going to be a good Bauer. Which turned out to be sixth, happy or him, right? Lord of Mercy, I don't want him this season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need the good Bauer, please. Um, if he still please. exists, please. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So then the the everything goes crazy, and baseball is the last thing on anyone's mind, really, uh, throughout the throughout the last few months. And you know, I try to keep this podcast going during that time, just because I know a lot of people listen, and uh, a lot of people like you who. Uh, have uh, supported the podcast. I want to make sure we kept uh, turning it out, but it's tough for a while because it's tough to concentrate on baseball at all. But now we finally get baseball and opening day was it, you know, it, it, you can't forget that everything's going on in the world, but it was a, it was a good two or three hour sort of take a deep breath and just kind of chill for a minute. That's the way it was for me. Did you, did you have that sense? Like it was just kind of a, okay, uh, this is a tiny piece of normal, even though baseball is not normal right now, but it's a tiny yeah. piece of normal back in our,
0: abnormal lives Does that well make sense? yeah um i i did for a second but i was actually at work and i've been at work the past couple of days when the games have been going on so i i work at hardy's um and we literally did not have any cars and i'm like it's almost time for first pitch i want to see it i swear if there's any cars that pull up <laughs> i just want to watch first pitch please <laughs> please please for however long baseball lasts i just want to see at least first pitch please.
1: yes and you got to thankfully did i did excellent excellent so as i said we're recording this on sunday afternoon and uh, some news today um mike moustakas woke up not feeling well He's been placed on what's called the injured list. It's the COVID-related injured list. Now, you don't have to have tested positive for COVID to be on that list. They put you on there, and then, you know, if you show any kind of a symptom, he just woke up not feeling well. You really don't have to have any reason to put him on there, and then they get another test. And he's never tested positive. There's not been any report that he's tested positive today even, uh, at least as, as of the time that we talk. But I think out of abundance of caution, they did that. Um, yeah. They put they put Nick Senzel back in the line, and then they scratched him again no word about that, but also they've called up Tyler Stevenson, the Reds, uh, number two prospect by most, uh, by most, uh, organizations, including Doug Gray's Reds minor leagues. And so maybe we get to see the, uh, the big prospect play here, but things are kind of strange this morning. And it really kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen in this season. Doesn't it?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, between him possibly having it, but then last night, Matt Davidson testing positive, and him being a red for like blinking your eyes half a second, um, and then he, hope I'm hoping that with Moose and then it, I'm hoping with Moose and Senzel, it's just a cautionary thing of just you know what we want to be as careful as we can be and we realize how dangerous this can be, so let's let's just make sure everyone doesn't have it, everyone's as safe as they can be, and if they're not gonna be here, then. The COVID injured list doesn't even have any minimum or maximum days to it. So, I mean, Moose could literally be on it for today and tomorrow and come back. Or just today and come back, and we could send someone back down to Prasco. So, yeah.
1: yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and that's, that's the benefit, I guess, of having that Prasco so close is that you can make those calls pretty quick, especially when you're at home. But, yeah, I mean, if he tests negative for it, then it could be a, a little bug or something. He could literally be back tomorrow. if tests. If he t- and we haven't heard that he's tested positive yet. That's not been released. That may or may not be released. But if he tests positive, basically you're, you can. It's a great point that they didn't put him on the ten-day injured list, like you would with somebody that got hurt. If he, you have to have two consecutive negative tests, you know, twenty-four hours apart. And after you have yep. that, you're, you're back on the. Uh, so he t- presumably tested negative yesterday because he played. So if he tests negative today, he could be back whenever. So, yeah, but but again, that's that's sort of the thing that's hanging over the season is that we're. We have to be uh, worried about this because we have to be worried about this in all aspects of our lives. And you know, we're all hoping baseball can give us a little bit of that normalcy, but it's it's just not normal, is it?
0: it it's it's not. I I very much want to just watch baseball and sort of act like everything's normal, but I, I just can't. <laughs> I can't.
1: No, no. Um, the hope is going to be that we, f- we get through this thing eventually and the reds are set up to be pretty good if they, you know, if they don't screw things up too bad for the next few years. So yes, this is going to be a crazy season. Hopefully, we can get to the end of this season. Um, and and I'm just I'm here to say the reds are absolutely 100% going to make the playoffs this year because 16 teams are going to make the playoffs and if the reds are not one of the top 16 teams in the league this year, I will be I'll be very surprised. But
0: I will be pulling all of my hair out if that happens. <laughs> but, that, but that seems like such a Cincinnati thing to do to be like, yeah, we we want to really try, and they put everything down to like, you know what, this will be our season. And then COVID happens, and then, like, oh, you know what, we're gonna make 16 teams make it, and then <laughs> we'd be like Team 17. It seems like, we'd yeah, be like no, most Cincinnati sports thing ever.
1: Sydney, that's a great point. That's classic, uh, classic Cincinnati sports. I'd, I'd always thought of it in, in terms of, yeah, you know, I'd said some, something similar to to friends in the past. Oh, man, Cincinnati Sports will be the only, they finally have a good team and a global pandemic shuts down the game. The one year the Reds are finally good. But I mean,
0: then the, – I also that, live in Dayton. So Dayton men's basketball was good this season and was supposed to make a run and then – Yeah. Happened and took the tournament away. So,
1: yeah. And, that, and that's, that's actually worse than – than the Reds uh, situation because the Reds have been decent in the past. No, Reds will probably be good next year, but Dayton and Dayton's have been good for a while. But this year they were Final Four good. Yeah. And to, to lose the season, oh yeah, it hurts for them. But but then that means that the University of Virginia Cavaliers got to remain national champions for a second year. So it's not it's not all bad, right?
0: <laughs> I'm not going to bring up the four lettered university that thank, I want to
1: <laughs> Thank you. Please don't. I've heard, I've, I've heard that. Too more times than you can imagine. Um, oh,
0: I like that, especially on Twitter. Oh, oh yeah. Part. Oh, yeah.
1: But the other thing is, though, uh, not only is it the most Cincinnati sports thing ever, but like you said, wouldn't it be even more Cincinnati sports if we do actually have a full season and then they expand the playoffs and the Reds still don't make the playoffs? I mean, that is, that's, that's classic Cincinnati sports, and I'm
0: frankly sick of it. Please no. I don't I don't want to be in that world. I really don't.
1: I don't either. What do you see from the Reds for the next few years? I mean, do you feel
0: like they're on the right track? I, I really do. I mean, it's really for the next few years it'll it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Bauer and how Bauer does this season. See if they extend him for maybe Well, he said he's only signing one year extensions, so see if they extend him for next season or if they let him walk. Um, see if Cassianos sticks around. If I'm not mistaken, he has an out. He does. Um, so he could very well um, leave in free agency. Um, but it really depends on, if we have a season, how how it goes. I'm, I mean, I can't imagine us making it to the championship game, the NL championship game, or to the World Series and Castellanos sleeping us. Now, if we only make the playoffs and, like, lose in the first round, then I could. But
1: Yeah, and some of that will be, what's the free agent situation going to be like this winter? Are teams going to be willing to spend money because they've not been making as much? Yes, it's all crazy. Uh, I'm hopeful he's going to stick around, but you're right. That's a big if going into next I mean, year.
0: I, I still have a lot of hope in Aquino and what he'll turn into. I, I still have some hope in him, so we'll... We'll see what happens with him, and if Cassianos does take the door out, then I'm all for Aquino possibly getting some more playing time in his spot. But, I mean, we still have we still have a lot of outfielders. Irvin, Winker, um, a- Akiyama, and then Senzel are all out there. So It's a pretty good group. Absolutely, especially if you do a platoon with... Winker Irvin or Winker and what you've been trying to do Akiyama yeah. really really, I just don't want to see Winker against lefties because he has not been able to hit them at all in his professional career. He's been able to mash righties so throw him against righties all day long but lefties he's always struggled. So,
1: Absolutely. Who's your favorite player on the current team? That's something I was going to ask you. On this well, year's
0: team. Aside, from, aside from the obvious, like, Votto and all that, I'm probably going to have to go with Amir Garrett because I actually got to, um, in the off time between spring training and summer camp, I got to play MLB The Show against him.
1: Oh, you played in that against him? Or yes. Because he, yeah.
0: he was just inviting fans all the time to play against him. So I'm like, shoot, I'll try and... Lost in a one-run game against him. So. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: He would have beaten me by thirty runs. <laughs> I, I'm... as my son does <laughs> often. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. He's. Uh. I watched him playing. You know. On, he was streaming on Twitch, I guess, and uh, I watched him a little bit a couple times. That guy's a gamer.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, that's a good – and he's one of my favorite Reds as well. Uh, you know, just uh, – I like a guy like that that shows some emotion on the field and, and acts like he's actually having fun playing baseball. It's such a strange thing for somebody to have – act like they're actually having fun. So that's why Garrett's on my short list of, of favorite players. I like when he does his little dance after he strikes somebody out. I'm, I'm all for that.
0: I'm, I'm all for – I'm all for showing emotion. Just – don't I, I? I wasn't for him fighting the pirates, but it was fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was,
1: it was I like that emotion. Same with Puig, uh, you know. He he's always going to be one of my favorite Reds, even though he wasn't as good as we hoped. And he was only here for part of a year, but gosh, you know, uh, everything he did while he was in the Red uniform made me like him more.
0: Especially since he got in a fight with the pirates with Amir Garrett when he was supposed to have been traded already. The Indians,
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, love that guy. Hope he uh, hope he's doing well, and hope he hooks back on with someone. He signed with the Braves for just a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah. he did, and then he tested positive, and then yeah. it was off. Hopefully, hopefully he stays healthy and well.
1: Yeah, somebody somebody will give him a chance. Now, Sydney, how did you uh, how did you come across the the podcast? When when did you do you remember when you first uh, started listening to Red Lake Nation Radio?
0: So, really, I just. Around the 2016-17 season, I I started to get more involved with, like... That was around the same time when I joined Twitter. And I started to get more involved with, like, the res, And then I stumbled upon you and, like, Doug Gray. And I love him to death, but he's so annoying. Philip Razor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, and uh, like coop and all them and i stumbled upon all of our the group of good people we have out there on twitter and then i and then you started promoting your podcast and i listened to it and then i've started to listen to y'all the um um locked on reds with jeff carr Mm -hmm. and then the one oh i'm forgetting it shoot he does it out of hawaii
1: yeah um Oh goodness gracious! Steve Offenbaker, but I won't.
0: yeah, the his it's, podcast—it's right. completely
1: escaping me too. I listen to it every week. That so wouldn't
0: then Klub's podcast because I've really been listening to all of them as as I really haven't had much to do aside from work, and we haven't had sports, so
1: yeah, we got a good group, don't we? Uh, in the of Reds podcast—I I, I love them all. They're all fantastic, and I encourage—I'm I I'm not competitive on that uh, in that aspect. I just. Go listen to them all. They're all great and a bunch of dedicated Reds fans. Some are more safe for work than others, though. We'll say that, right?
0: Um. Yeah. Don't listen to Coop with your children around. Please do not
1: <laughs> listen to it. Just make sure you know who's who's around you. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. I've actually agreed to go on the uh, on uh, the hunt for Reds October podcast uh, sometime in the next couple weeks. So we'll see if I can survive that.
0: And you were just on the locked. Um, i
1: Reds. Yeah, I've gone on all of them uh, on Red Reporter. Whenever they do that, you know, in the past they did it more regularly, and um, I'm happy to go on all of them. If in, if anybody asks, I'll join. I like talking about the Reds. Oh, so. yeah. Well, tell us your Twitter
0: handle. Um, it is transredsfan.
1: Okay, at transredsfan. Go follow me. You know, I've been on Twitter the last couple of days, first two get days of the season, just during the Reds game. Uh, I've been away for you know, a couple months because it's just it's toxic, but. Um, I came back and, and I saw what you, something that, kind of what you just mentioned, which is that if I come on just during the Reds game and just talk about the Reds, you know, there is a pretty good group there of Reds fans. That's fun to talk about and reasonable and, and, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't overreact too much to, to silly things. And you can have some pretty good discussion there if you have the right group of people. I think you identified that there is a good group out there, isn't there?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes, there is. All right, Sid, anything else you want to talk about before we head out Glad we've gotten a chance to
0: to get to talk to you a little bit. Um, aside from thankfully the Reds are still in a tie ball game today, with Bow on the mound, it's I'm all good.
1: All right, yeah, we this is how dedicated we are we're not paying attention to the uh, the beginning of the Reds game today because we're recording some uh, some sweet content for the world's most dangerous podcast. Sydney, it's been great uh, been great getting to talk to you here today. Thanks for coming on and thanks for supporting the podcast at Patreon. so much. Can't tell you how much I appreciate that.